What's going on, everybody? This is the Putting Up Podcast, Episode 2. I am Dan with my guy, Lions. Let's go, guys. We appreciate all the feedback on Episode 1. We got a lot of viewers, a lot of listeners, and get some a lot of great feedback from you guys. So we really appreciate that. Keep moving forward. Keep growing. Thank you guys for that. Um, so what's up, Lions? Yeah, so we got some good topics for today. We're going to be talking about what happened over past weekend we're going to be talking about events going forward and having a good time talking ball all right man so all-star weekend was last weekend absolutely um we did have our picks and so we'll start with the skills challenge who did you have going in the skills challenge let me just put this out there your boy went over three uh i lacked the knowledge in this one you know I, I didn't see it right i'm gonna come with you guys with the right energy next time but for the three-point contest, unfortunately, I did have Devin Booker losing by one point to my man, Buddy Hill. Tough, tough go. I had uh, Duncan Robinson, so I didn't uh, I didn't get that one either. Skills challenge, yeah. who'd you have? The skills, I I believe I picked Tatum to go back-to-back, back, and unfortunately he got bounced by who ended up winning this year, Bam Adebayo. Let me ask you a question though. Uh, who who yeah, picked Bam Adebayo to win that one? I can't remember that one. Let me know. Oh, let me think. I got I got to type that in. Hold on. Uh oh yeah, that was you. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got that. Yeah, that's right. Right. So that was so that right there was one for two, and then we had the dunk contest. Hold on, let me think about that. So I picked Aaron Gordon, and he lost by one point to someone. I forget who it was. Oh, that'd be uh, oh, Derek Jones Jr. Your guy. It was your guy, Derek Jones Jr. That's right. So there you go. I was two for three. Well, real quick, yeah, let's let's talk about let's let's talk about that dunk contest just for a quick minute. Yeah, so, so do you lots think, of people were saying that Aaron Gordon got robbed. Let's hear your thoughts on that, man. Of course he didn't get robbed. What are you talking about, man? I'm talking about – so here's the thing with that dunk contest, on, right? Let me, let, me just, let me just put this out here. When it comes to the dunk contest, and especially the later rounds, I can draw comparisons to the Levine-Gordon dunk contest in 2016, I think it was. As the rounds go on, they don't get scored in the same manner that they do – in the previous rounds because they don't want to keep going round after round after round. They want to eventually find a winner. So when it comes to this year's, at least, they gave Derek Jones Jr. a 48 on his dunk, and supposedly they were supposed to give 48 on Aaron Gordon's dunk as well to try and make it a tie. But, of course, we have all that whole discussion of Scotty and Common looking at Dwayne like he messed it up. We have the whole 9 out of 10 meme going on with him, like how it's supposed to end in a tie. Which, honestly, I think that was the red. I think it should have ended in a tie right there. I, I'm not one for believing that a competition should end in a tie. I think there should be a winner. But I think in that scenario, probably was the right thing to do. No, I mean, I, I completely disagree. So, uh... I think it was cool. You know, it was good. They put on a show, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. But let's talk about Aaron Gordon's dunk on so-called dunk on Taco Fall. Come on, man. He, You know you he did. bring up that I pressed down on the ball? Bro, Taco that Fall. Was- all, right, all right, so Taco Fall 7, what, 7, 5, right? Yeah. But he was bending over. Right. Right, so now he's, what, 6, 10? I'd say 7 foot, still. So. Sure, okay, 7 foot. And then... Gordon jumps over him and sits on the back of this dude's head. Right. And dunks the ball. Yeah. And people were mad at that. Right. And what did Derek Jones Sr. do? He dunked from the free throw line. Oh, wait. No, he wasn't at the free throw line. He was 
he, he did the same dunk Levine did four years back, but even closer to the rim. Yeah. So my thing is, with Derek Jones Jr., if we're looking at it as a whole, he basically did that same windmill dunk just with four different versions throughout that dunk contest. He did the same dunk with four different iterations. You're talking about the image I think the Aaron Gordon... Well, he did bring that. Aaron Gordon brought his 360, kind of cuffing behind his head and did the whole windmill with that. I mean, everyone had their unique dunk, but Aaron Gordon did overall have 50s every dunk before that dunk. To me, the best dunk of the night, though, was when Derrick Jones jumped over two people off the backboard in between the legs. Like, to nah, me, it's got to be that Gordon off the backboard on the side, that 360 when he was cuffing his head. I'm sorry, that's the best dunk to me. Which one are you talking about? Are you talking about where he turned around? I'm talking about when I think I'm trying to remember who threw it off the rim. I forget who or not off the rim, off the side of the backboard. Chance the rapper. When he came, he had chance. No, nah, because every he jumped over one. chance. But maybe he did throw the pass. Chance is no, about five. Mark Hale, it was Mark Chance is what five Hale. six. Chance is about five six, right? No, no, not dunking over chance. Not that one. No, no. Oh, okay, okay. Because chance is about five when six. He, he dunked was, over him three times. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we got the comparisons. Three times up a chance, four times with the whole windmill, different iteration. It's whatever. But just in terms of the best dunk of the night, uh, when Markel threw it off the side of the glass and Aaron Gordon did the 360 while windmilling with his hand behind his back, kind of like how Austin Denton used to do his layups with, the hand, with his hand behind the back of his head on the layups. <laughs> he, did, <laughs> he did that with the windmill. Shout out that Austin was Denton. just clean to me. I seen, like, Yeah, shout out Austin Denton, man. Yeah, that um, was just extremely clean for me. Yeah. I guess we'll agree to disagree on that one. We'll agree that dance wrong, Hannah. So, yeah, yeah Saturday, All-Star Saturday night. I got two, went for two for three. Lions went 0 for three. That was Saturday night. Wow. Uh, Sunday night, we had the All-Star game, which uh, had a little wrinkle to it, a little twist to it, um, honoring Kobe. So... What did you think about the the format? I know we talked about it a little bit in the previous pod. What did you think? Now that we've seen it, you know, we've seen it happen. What are your thoughts on it? So just in terms of, let me break it down. So in terms of the first half, uh, in the first half, I saw a lot of the same. I saw a lot of trying to bring out the highlights and players. I saw a lot of, you know, what we've seen in the Oscar game the past couple, let's say 10 years. Third quarter, it got a little more interesting. We got a little more competition, especially since it ended in a tie. But that fourth quarter, where Giannis's team, I believe, was up about 10 or so. So, Bron's team needed 24, whereas Giannis's needed about... No, Giannis needed about 24, or Bron's team needed about 34. You really saw the players bringing up the best in each other in that. You saw them playing hard defense. You saw Kyle Lowry bring two charge calls on him. I mean, if there's anyone in the league that's going to do that, it's Kyle Lowry, but you don't see that type of stuff in the LSR game. He brought a different type of energy to that, as well as all the other players. You really saw kind of an exciting time in this. No one knew what was going to happen, and it really ended up being a close game at the end. We didn't want it to end the way it did, but it was still, throughout that fourth quarter, it was an amazing experience just from an NBA fan. No, it was I, I. To me, that was the best All Star game I've seen probably ever. That was man. They were complain. They had players complaining to the officials in an All Star game. Like that's how you know Bro, it was, was pretty cool. Say, I was gonna um, say. I remember it was like Braun, CP3, and one of the person. They were all running up to the ref after a certain call. They were all like being showing great emotion in that. It was pretty fun to watch. Actually, I'm like I've never seen people get this mad during an All Star game. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it was great. Um. 
you did mention nobody liked how it ended. So it did end on an Anthony Davis free throw. Um, my thing on that is if we know we have to get to a certain point. So in this case, it was 157. We should have no free throws. Just check it up. Every time there's a foul, check it up. In the last two minutes, it should just be – or maybe the whole fourth quarter. Just check it up. I was going to say, I've seen a couple of takes like that where they say any foul should be be called check up. And probably people who kind of respect the official rules of the NBA are just going to disagree with that. But for the most part, as NBA fans, we can all agree they'll make the game more entertaining. Like, it'll give them a reason to play harder. Because, like, you fell and it's like, all right, they're not going to get two free points out of it where they're closer to the target score. It'll give more of an incentive to play hardball. Maybe it becomes too physical for some people, but I don't really see it like that. I see it as people are just trying to really want to go out and get that win, and that's what we want to see as NBA fans. Yeah, like no, I mean, overall, it was a great great All-Star weekend, great Saturday night, great Sunday night. Uh, but now we're back to the regularly scheduled gaming schedule, I guess you want to call it. We're back to games every night. Um, we did have some news, though. Um, Boogie Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins, was released by the Los Angeles Lakers to make room for Markeith Morris, who received a buyout from the Detroit Pistons. So, Lions, what you got for me on that, man? Like, What do you think about Boogie being released and the Lakers signing Markeith Morris? It's pretty interesting. Uh, so, as some of you may not know, Boogie actually going to remain with the team as he rehabs from that ACL injury from last year. So he'll probably be around the next year to join, rejoin this Lakers squad. But just in the addition of Marquise, Mar- Markeith Morris, I'm sorry. Uh, I look at Markeith Morris essentially as a better version of Kuz in the sense that he can create his own shot and hold his own out there, can, can defend people. Kind of one of those 3 and D guys, but he can also just create his own shot kind of in the same way that Marcus Morris can, his twin brother. We got some Kuz so, slander. Def- we got some Kuz slander. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Kuz slander. I am not a Kuz fan whatsoever. Anyway, continue. I was going to say, not too many people are biggest fan of Kuz nowadays. He kind of seems more interested in the uh, off-the-court situations rather than on-the-court situations. But with Markeith Morris, it's, he is a team full of veterans, is a team full of people who have been there before. But Markeith does still have that talent where he can – create his own shot off the bench where they're lacking that, where they have people like Caruso and Rondo and even uh, Dwight Howard coming off the bench. They don't really have that shot creator that they'll be able to create the offense through, like they'll be able to have with LeBron and AD on the court, we'll be able, where they'll be able to create that offense. So picking up someone like Markeith Morris, he can be streaky at times, kind of like Marcus, but if he's within the system to where he's comfortable, he can really help that squad out. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think he's a big addition. I do hate to see Boogie being, you know, quote unquote released and not with the team or whatever, whatever. But like you mentioned, he's still practicing with the team. He's still in LA. He's still doing those types of things with the team. So we'll probably see him sign back with them next next season. Who knows? But in terms of Markeith, I like it from a standpoint of you got another and this is the reason the same reason i like the marcus morris addition to the clippers is you got another guy who can shoot the three ball create his own shot a little bit but he's also another body to throw at the opposing player so like let's say i mean for the most part we kind of feel like it's the lakers and clippers in the western conference i know there's some other teams but at the end of the day i think it's gonna be lakers clippers 
for the Clippers, they can throw Marcus at LeBron. So you got another three ball shooter and another body to throw at LeBron on top of Kawhi and PG and Pat Bev and those types of guys. But on the Lakers side, it's another guy to throw at Kawhi and PG, right? So that's how I look at it. You got another 3 and D guy, create his own shot a little bit. Um, and I mean, the Boogie wasn't playing, so you cut him, a guy who wasn't giving you anything, and you add somebody who is going to give you something. I mean, it's just you have somebody who's going to play, and you had someone who wasn't going to play. So that's how I look at the Boogie thing. It, I do feel for Boogie, though, man. I mean, that man was a monster. He was a monster in Sacramento, went to New Orleans, tore his Achilles, which, for, especially for a guy who weighs, Boogie weighs probably close to 300 pounds. He's probably 280, somewhere around there. Guy that big to tear his Achilles, it's a tough, tough injury to come back from. Then he goes and signs with Golden State. You know, not many people were happy with that because Golden State's stacking the decks even more. Then he goes and tears his hamstring there, or his quad, rather. He tore his quad. Then he went there to grab a free ring. That didn't happen. He signs the Lakers to maybe get another chance at a ring. And then he tears his ACL in the summer. So just a really, 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 really bad luck for Boogie. But uh, praise up to Boogie, man. I hope he's. I hope he can come back, you know, wherever it is, whether that's the Lakers or whatever team he signs with. or And I hope it's, you know, I hope he can revive his career a little bit. So that's what I got on Boogie. All right, it's kind of like that whole Isaiah Thomas situation. I mean, the guy yeah. was top three MVP candidate at one point, and now he's not even on the team. So, yeah, I mean, as an NBA fan, we do kind of look for those redemption stories. We want to see those guys get back to. I mean, it's realistic that they're not going to be what they were, but what they can do with their situation, kind of like how D Rose is now with the Pistons, he's putting up twenty a game and potentially a six man of the year candidate. It's good to see those type of stories. It's good to see that, but we also I hate seeing this man in Detroit. Get him out of there, man. Oh yeah, get him out of Detroit. Get Detroit. him out of Detroit, man. Don't nobody want to see mess. him in Detroit. That team, that franchise is does not know what they're doing. I was going to say though, the motor they're the Motor City, bro. But their engine's solid. They're not going anywhere. They got three flat tires and a no no spare, bro. They ain't got AAA. They don't got any roadside assistance. They're just stuck there. They got to walk. Yeah, that's, 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 t- that's a tough look for them. I need D. Rose that's to go tough. with a contender. I need to get him with the Lakers. I need to get him with somebody. Get get that man a chance. Maybe Miami. Get him a chance to win a ring. Oh, he'll get that chance. You, you know that a contender will want D. Rose on the line. He, he's a killer. Yeah. Uh, speaking of injuries, we got the, uh, the other news of the week. Uh, Kyrie Irving officially out for the remainder of the season with a shoulder surgery. Right? Is that what it is? I believe that's what it was. So, yeah, Kyrie's gone for the remainder of the year. Um, to me, I mean, I don't think it's – I mean, it's probably a good decision, <laughs> realistically. I mean, Brooklyn's not going nowhere this season without KD. For Brooklyn, it's all about next season and the season's going forward. Because, I mean, this to me, at least, this season was a wash. You know, KD's still rehabbing from his Achilles. Kyrie has made a glass, so you never know what can happen with him. So, I was – I was a big supporter of sitting him out completely after that first injury. He had an injury in the beginning of the season that kept him out a bunch of games, too. I thought at that point they should have kept him out of the season. They brought him back. He aggravated his shoulder, and now is getting some surgery to clean it up. Uh, you think he's actually hurt, or do you think... Cause me, I think he is actually hurt. I hate uh, talking about athletes and saying they're faking an injury or whatever it is. I To me, if you're hurt, you're hurt. You can't go, you can't go. So that's how I feel on that. What do you think about that? 
I kind of think, I mean, I'm, I'm a Boston fan. You know, you guys probably think I hate Kyrie and kind of do. You know, you can probably somewhat understand my mindset. But I think when it comes to Kyrie, I think it's kind of like the whole Steph situation where they're handling their injury precautiously. They don't want to re-aggravate it. They could go, but they're taking precautions to it. And they realize that there's bigger stakes at hand. They realize they can be a contender next year with the pieces they have. And they're just trying to make sure that they're good to go for the rest of their career. And they don't want to jeopardize themselves, kind of like these Boogie and Isaiah Thomas situations where they push themselves through those injuries and it obviously hasn't worked out for them. So with Kyrie, yeah, even with him fully healthy in the starting lineup, it's not a very likely scenario that they would even get out of the first round. So I can't blame the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie for sending him out. Uh, I mean, I do feel bad for the guy in the sense, like, you don't really want anyone to get injured in this league, no matter how much you hate a guy. But I think, at least in terms of next year with him and Kevin Durant, those are two of probably, I'd say, top three players in the world, like, in terms of ISO ball, can take you one-on-one, kind of those street ball players. Get so out of really, really... No, 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 no. Slow down there. You yeah, say Kyrie is a top three player in the league? No, 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 no. In terms of like a one-on-one guy, in terms of a street baller, you know what I mean? Can oh. just take you off the dribble. Right, yeah, because street ball wins the championships, right? Isn't that how that – that's how that goes, right? Well, I'm just saying, no, I just mean in that dynamic with street ballers like Kyrie and KD, it'll be kind of interesting next year to see how they mesh together. I want to see how they work off each other and create that team dynamic around the rest of them. What do you think about that? What do you think – you think they, they can compete for a championship next season? I think they're unlike Kyrie and a bunch of past relationships with them. Obviously, things didn't work out with Cleveland. Obviously, things didn't work out with Boston. I think him and Kevin Durant have a true friendship there. I think they'll be able to make it work. But I do think that the Brooklyn team's dynamic and their game plan will come down to those two players and kind of figuring out where they want to go with this team and how they want to build the team around them. I think their management will understand their mindset and where they want to go with it and how they can build a good team around them. And I think it does contain a lot of the pieces they already have, such as a Spencer Dinwiddie, as a Jared Allen, as a Joe Harris. And I, I believe that that type of team, it will all come down to health and how well the Kyrie and KD can handle each other's presence. Because both guys like having the ball in their hands. KD obviously dealt with that in Golden State, where he had to take on somewhat less of a role, even though he dropped 35 points a game in the finals. But I think between those two, they can find a way to balance each other's talents and try and get it done, even though they got competition around them. Do you think, uh, like I said, we talked about it a little earlier with the boogie, a Achilles injury is not a an easy injury to come back from. What do you? Oh, it's. You think he can? What do you think KD becomes when he comes back next year? Do you think he's KD of old? Do you think he's? Do you think we'll ever see that old KD we saw, you know, in OKC and in Golden State? Do you think we're going to see that KD in Brooklyn next season alongside Kyrie? I think the difference between KD and a lot of guys that go down with Achilles is that KD is still such a gifted individual in terms of scoring the basketball that if he can't run at full speed, if he can't function completely, I still have seen videos of him working out these past, like, couple of weeks, couple of months, trying to get him to a better point. And the guy, no matter what, is going to be a lethal shooter. So it all depends on how well he can get his feet moved again. Again, just for an example, I've watched Gordon Hayward over the past couple of years with Boston. 
and seeing what he was then coming off that injury, looking like garbage, looking like a waste of a contract, to what he would, is now looking like a playmaker, looking like a defender, looking like a guy who can knock down those shots. Though he may not be worth that max, he's certainly a lot closer to it than what he once was. Kitty's a very rare talent. I mean, he's the type of guy that can come back from that a lot faster than most people can. But will he be that best or second best player in the league that he once was? It all comes down to how bad he wants it. I think it comes down to how far he pushes that physical limit. And I think he can do it, but it's going to take time. Yeah, I mean, KD to me is one of the, you know, to me is one of the 15 greatest players we've ever seen in the league. And I hate seeing, you know, I hate having one of those guys go down with an injury of this magnitude. And it sucks knowing that we may not ever get to see him play maybe to his full potential or we'll never get to see him resemble that same potential we saw in you know, Oklahoma and Golden State. So that, that to me sucks. I hate that about injuries, especially injuries to a guy of, like I said, of his magnitude, who I believe, you know, top 15, 20 greatest players to ever play the game. So to me, um, I hope he comes back. I hope he can maybe get the team competing in the East. You know, obviously I hope they don't win because I hope Miami wins always. But um, I do hope to see them, you know, competing for championships or competing to go to the finals and, being a strong uh, contender in the East next season and seasons going forward. Absolutely. Going forward, though. Not this year. For sure. Speaking of those Brooklyn Nets, they're sitting at seventh right now. Taking a look at the entire Eastern Conference, as of right now, you've got Milwaukee uh, ahead of everybody um, at number one. And at number two, you've got Toronto. Uh, Three, you've got Boston. Four, you have Miami. Five, you have Philly. Six, you've got Indiana. Seven, as I mentioned, you have Brooklyn. And eight, you have Orlando. So if the playoffs were to start today, you'd have the Bucks and the Magic, who I think we could all agree would be a sweep or a gentleman sweep. Can you agree on that, Lance? What, what do you think about that? I'll give them a nice gentleman sweep simply because of DJ Augustine hanging that game winner against the Raptors last year. I'll give the Magic one. But, yeah, it wouldn't be a close series. Yeah, I'm not giving them anything. Um, number two... And seven would be the Raptors and Nets. Like we said, no Kyrie going forward. So what do you think about that one? I got To me, I got that one Raptors in, in five. I give I Spencer Dinwiddie a game. Those guys can get – I think they can get one game at home against uh, Toronto in that series. I, I got to agree. I'll go Raptors in five on that one. Yeah. Now, again, these are not these are not the playoff prediction or pre- playoff uh, standings, but this is if the playoffs were to start today – Giving everybody a chance to look at, you know, what we may be looking into going into the playoffs. Uh, three, you've got Boston and Indiana. Three and six matchup there, Boston and Indiana. What do you got there? So I got the Celtics. Uh, this is my squad. I understand that, I mean, especially with the Pacers squad, such as Brogdon, Oladipo, TJ Warren, Sabonis, and Turner. TJ Warren's a bum, by the way. TJ Warren's a bum, by the way. All right, we'll skip that. We'll, we'll just pretend that this guy has some basketball knowledge and that T.J. Warren isn't a bomb. T.J. Warren but, garbage. Okay. But besides T.J. Warren, they got a nasty squad around them. They got defenders and shooters. They got playmakers and rebounders. Pacers are a very tough squad, but we did deal with them last year, even though they didn't have Brogdon and people have elevated their games, such as Sabonis this year. But I do have the Celtics and Six against that. I believe we'll be able to take the Pacers down, even though they're a hooping state in the end of 
a hoop and say it. We all know that. But I got Celtics and such. I'm going to agree with you on that one. I got uh, Boston and six. I think Brogdon was a big a big key to their uh, to their team in, in addition this summer. Uh, also getting Old Depot back right now. I think he's still on a minute restriction as the playoffs come around. You know, we get into May, April, a couple more months. He might be playing a little bit more. So, uh, like you said, like you said, everything about uh, Indiana. Good, great squad, great defense, good team. I got Boston in six, though. All right, so for the four five matchup. Now, this one's tough because there's only a half game separating the two. So, it's uh, Miami and Philly, but it is looking like those two will unfortunately end up playing in the first round. Uh, it's just at this whoa, whoa, point. Whoa. Sorry to cut you off, but unfortunately, are you, uh, as a Heat fan, are you scared of the Sixers? Absolutely. 1,000%. I am. So going into the, my preseason predictions, I had Philly going into the finals, believe it or not. I thought that, um, to me, I thought the East was going to be a two-team race between Milwaukee and Philly, as most people did. I had teams like Miami and Boston um, finishing right behind them. But um, I had Philly going to the finals uh, just because I thought their length and their addition of Al Horford um, being able to kind of build that wall around Giannis like we saw Toronto do last year, not let him get to the rim as easy. I thought we were going to see that times two um, with the length that Philly's got on their roster. Um, but they have not been playing you know, to their potential as what it looks like. They're actually really, really, really bad on the road. Their home record is phenomenal. They're twenty six and two at home, but on the road they're nine and nineteen. Um, over the last few games, they actually have they're on a four game winning streak right now, which is actually is best in the East at the moment. But um, they're catching up. They you know they're they're putting they look like they look like they're putting it together a little bit. As far as Miami, they're going in the opposite direction. They started out extremely hot. They started out you know they were hovering around that two three spot in in the East, and they've slipped all the way to four. Lost their last two. Uh, Jimmy's been really inconsistent in terms of even playing. Some games he'll sit out. and like Right now, he's out for personal reasons. Again, I'm not sure exactly what that is. But even when he's in, you'll get one game where Jimmy gives you tough-nosed Jimmy, 25 points, You know, runs the offense, plays super aggressive. Then the next couple nights, you get Jimmy shooting from three, which he's not a plus three-point shooter. So you're going to get, you know what I mean? It's just that he's inconsistent. Kendrick Nunn is super inconsistent when it comes to playing on the road versus at home. Um, so the theme there is, again, like I mentioned it a couple times, the home and a, uh, the home versus away. Miami, again, they're really good at home, too. They're 22-3. and three. Uh, Away, they're just 13-17. and 17. So to me, this series really comes down to who gets the fourth seed, who gets home court um, in this one, because I think this series could go seven. I do have Philly in six, however, though, especially if they end up with the um, with the fourth seed and they do get that home court advantage. I do think that they can uh, knock off Miami in six. I like I said, I just think Embiid and Simmons are too much to stop in the, especially when the game slows down. You can dump it down to Embiid or you know Simmons, and when it does pick back up, Simmons is almost unstoppable in the in the open court. So. I just, unfortunately, I do think that Philly would end up beating Miami in that series, if that's how it plays out. It's looking like that's the 4-5 matchup. Again, we're really waiting on um, seeding and who's going to be, who's going to have that home court. But if right now, I'm actually going to lead Philly probably in about six games. Yeah, I'm going to go somewhat similar. I was 
kind of leaning more Philly and seven, but you did bring up some good points with that whole inexperience in the sense of Kendrick Khan, he's not as good on the road. You guys have been falling off as of lately. And I think a testament as to why you guys are falling off lately is because you guys are becoming more recognized as a hard-fighting team. Could and be. the more you become recognized as a hard-fighting team and kind of a, just a tough culture, people are going to want to beat you more, especially guys like Philly, who are more experienced guys. So I think down the road, especially down the road, it's going to come down to who has that home court advantage. Maybe with the home fans behind them, those young guys with the heat culture will be able to kind of come to life and will be able to shine in that in that uh, bright light. But if they're playing on the road where they're not used to that experience, maybe as some of these other guys are, they're not going to have as easy of a time going into that matchup. And especially closer when it comes to the playoffs, we'll talk about that whole Timmons and B dynamic and how it may or may not work out for them, how floor spacing may be a difficulty, how Embiid being a shooter may take things away from Simmons driving or how it may take away from Embiid's strains in the paint or how it could potentially limit both of them in the same sense. But just in terms of a general matchup, I think that Philly's a better squad. I think they'll get it done in the heat against, I'd say in six games. I think they'll finish as the four seed that they can in six. Yeah. Believe me, I, I, hate to, I hate to pick against Miami. I love what they've done this season. I love the improvement and the progression of these young guys and bringing Jimmy along and things like that. But I'm also realistic, and I know that this season wasn't necessarily – this team right now isn't necessarily a championship contender. You know, they're a great story, uh, finishing, you know, where they are right now, a top four seed in the East. Great. You know, I had them at three going into the season. Um, I thought they'd be a three seed. But, you know, it is, it is what it is. Like I said, I, to me, I think it was a two-team race between Philly and Milwaukee. So – uh, I'm, I'm still happy with the Heat season. Like I said, it's not over. They could still win. You know, who never knows? We just got the last half of the season. We're going to see um, how teams are going to start performing in the playoffs, and then uh, we'll get to that. So uh, that's the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference. Uh, the Western Conference is a little bit more uh, complicated, I guess. Um, to me, at least in my opinion, the first seven teams are set. You've got the Lakers at number one. You've got the Nuggets at number two, Clippers at three, Jazz at four, Rockets at five, Thunder at six, and Dallas at seven. So to me, those seven teams at this point are locked in as going to be the one through uh, one through seven. Now seeding and where teams finish, that's up in the air. That's the thing that's tough about the, a tough Western Conference because you can move, you could lose two games in a row and go from second to ninth. You know what I mean? So the West is tough. Now that bottom pack of the West too is close and people realize Grizzlies are at the eighth seed right now and Portland is just three and a half games back of them for the ninth seed and then the Spurs are also tied with the Blazers and the Pelicans are just a half game behind them. So really in the West you you know, seeds one through eleven are I all even say thirteen. Yeah, you could even go with the Kings and the Suns who are only two more games behind them. Um, that last eighth seed to me is up for grabs. So, uh, who do you think is going to end up with that eighth seed? Like, if you had to pick one, who you think is going to get it? Who you think is going to get it between the Grizzlies? Well, give I'll, I'll stick it to four teams. You got the Grizzlies, you got the Blazers, Spurs, and Pelicans. Who who do you want to see, and who do you think will end up um, getting that eighth seed? 
I'm glad you asked that because those two questions are two different answers for me. Right. So I want to see is the Grizzlies because of my boy John, my boy Trajay. Those guys, I see them balling out this year, especially guys like Dylan Brooks and Valanciunas, definitely having a balance back year for him. The Grizzlies are a young and exciting team for me, and I love what they're doing. No one expected them to be even close to the playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. However, I think that, I mean, we know that Dame has a different mentality. And let me just, we all know about CJ. Obviously, Melo has a story going on. And you're not going to like this as a Heat fan, but I got to touch on Hassan Whiteside. This guy's leading the lead in blocks with over three blocks a game. He's averaging double digits of points and rebounds. He's having a bounce back year for this team. Empty stats on the some- worst defensive team in the league. It is that's what we're used to with Hassan. Just empty stats on a, the worst defense in the league. But anyway, continue. My bad. Yeah, but you gotta give the guy credit where credit is due. Obviously, he's having a very improved year compared to what he had last year at Miami, where he was seen as a lost product. And in terms of the Blazers team, he's actually bringing some impact to that team. So obviously the team's not going to run through the guy, but he is providing a role to that team as to where in Miami he didn't really see himself in a role out there. He didn't really know what he was. So I want to it out here. I think Dame and CJ will get it done on the offensive end. I believe that Melo will have his clutch moments down the line. And I just really threw Dame as much as I want to be able to account for them as a team. I think through Dame, he's not going to want to miss the playoffs. He realizes how big of a hit that'd be for his legacy. He's going to do whatever it takes to get himself into that AC, even if it means taking on the Lakers. He's going to get it done and get into the A spot. Yeah, I like that pick, too. Uh, the Blazers are actually the team I'd want to see. Um, just because, like you said, they've got Dame. I would love to see Dame in the playoffs. CJ and Melo, those are three of my favorite guys to watch. Um just to watch play the game. I mean, I would love to see them make the playoffs. Um, another team I'd like to see, too, is the Pelicans, especially because right now the Lakers look like they're going to lock out that number one seed. So it would be nice to see, you know, Anthony Davis going against his former team, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball going against their former team. That would be nice to see, too. Um, but the team that I think is going to wind up with it, I think the Grizzlies are going to end up with that eighth seed. And like you said, no, I, I definitely didn't predict them anywhere near the playoffs this season. I actually had them at the very bottom of the the Western Conference. So I think they're going to wind up with the eighth seed and go on and to uh, lose to the Lakers. Uh, but I would love to see Dame, CJ, and especially Melo um, get into the playoffs. But like I said, because of, you know, bad defense, Dame's also hurt. Um, right. They may not, you know, another two more losses and they may slip out. So... Um, I would love to see Portland, but I think we'll end up seeing Memphis there for that eighth seed. Um, so with that being said, we can go through and look at the standings. Uh, so are we talking about the standings? So we'll look at the matchups. So we talked about the eighth seed. Um, right now it would be Memphis sitting at the eighth seed going up against the Lakers. Um, to me, I've got Lakers in four in that one. I mean, I'd love to yeah, see Jaw get a game in you know his first playoffs, but uh, I got them and I got the Lakers in four. What about you? Yeah, I got the same there. I mean, yeah, it's possible Grizzlies pick up a game, but they're, they're a young team, you know. They're just kind of building off what they got. They're not really ready for this type of scenario. So something like a sweep would humble them. They would get them to work harder. It's exactly something that they need moving forward. And it's something that I think would happen. I think the Lakers would be able to take care of business early. Yeah, uh, they actually played last night. We're recording this on a what's that, a Saturday, so Saturday. Uh, yeah, they actually played last night. 
and the Lakers did end up winning that game. So for the 2-7 matchup, you've got Denver and you've got Dallas. Um, this, to me, is actually a very, very interesting series. And I'm going to go with Denver in 7, believe it or not. And um, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, I am very much a hater. And I love to hate on teams. And Denver is one of those teams that I just don't believe in. Uh, I don't believe in Nikola Jokic as your number one option. He's a great player, but I just don't think he can lead you very far in the playoffs. That's just my opinion. Uh, Jamal Murray's a nice piece. Gary Harris is cool. You know, these guys are cool, but I just don't I don't see them, you know. But against Dallas, I'd love to see Luka in his first playoffs. Porzingis, uh, this is definitely his first playoffs, too, because he was with the Knicks, and I don't think they ever made the playoffs. So, um, good to see those two in the playoffs. Um so, but I I got them in I got a uh, Denver in seven in this one because I think Luca could get two games by himself. I just think he's that special. Um, uh, Luca's a very rare talent to kind of pick off what you're going off of. I mean, the guy, especially this year, he started in the All Star game. He's basically averaging a thirty point triple double. He's doing things we haven't seen in this league. The guy's going to be a generational talent for sure. For me in this matchup, I have the Nuggets in six. I believe they have enough to take him out in six. I agree with what you're going off in terms of Jokic and Murray and all these guys. It's not enough to lead him to a title, but it is enough to lead him into maybe the second round. It's enough to kind of get it done, but when push comes to shove, they're not going to be able to kind of form their identity as a team. They will crumble under that pressure, but I don't think that pressure will hit them in this round. I think they'll be able to maintain what they've been doing this regular season. It will kind of seem like regular season games to them. So it would be a good round for the Nuggets, but we'll have to see what happens after that. Yep. And then that uh, after that, you have the 3-6 matchup. Where you've got the Clippers and Thunder. I love what the Thunder's doing. I love what Chris Paul's been able to do this season. Um, but to me, I don't think that they have any chance against the Clippers if they do end up meeting in the playoffs. I do have Clippers in, in five in that one. I do get, I, I think Chris Paul, like I said, can galvanate those guys and get them a game, maybe at home. Um, but I do think the Clippers come out of that series pretty quickly. Weirdly enough for me, I got kind of, in a sense, I got the Clippers in six in this one. I think the Clippers are a much more talented team than Thunder. But for some reason, as much as the Clippers put together, I think the, the Thunder have more chemistry between them, even though both of them are newly formed teams. They aren't guys that have played together a lot. But, I mean, Chris Paul is a great testament as to why the Thunder are doing as well as they are. I mean, you got guys like Shea and Gallo and Steven Adams, and especially Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench as the sixth man of the year candidate. I think it all comes back down to Chris Paul and what he's doing to lead this team, especially in the fourth quarter. I think he's a guy that's been there in the playoffs. He's, I mean, he hasn't won anything, unfortunately, but he knows – what you have to do to be able to compete at that level. He's kind of relaying that onto these other guys. So they'll be able to put up a very good, strong fight against this, this team, especially since against a guy like Paul George, who's been known to crumble under that pressure in the playoffs to say a Joe Ingles in previous years. But at the end of the day, the Clippers have enough talent to be able to take care of that. They'll get it done in six. Yeah. Uh, you get the four or five right now. The four and five is a uh, Utah at four. Um, Houston at the five. To me, this would this would be a really interesting series to watch. And again, all these series are not set in stone. This is just what if the playoffs were to start today. Uh, we still got you know about thirty games left, 
20-something games left in the season. So things can change, like I said, but this is what it would be if it started today. So in this series, Jazz Rockets, this is a tough, This was a tough one for me. But I actually ended up going with Jazz in seven. Um, a big reason is we know that Houston has committed to the small ball thing. They've made P.J. Tucker their center, who is, what, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, He's their center. Um, it's worked so far. I mean, they've won a few games. Um, they look good. But to me, to me, the Rockets over the last few seasons have always been just a really good regular season team. And to me, their game doesn't work in the playoffs. Again, James Harden, to me, is great. Don't think he... Um, when the game slows down, it's, I think it's hard for him. Um, that's why he's, people think he's choked a lot in the playoffs. I actually don't think he's choked, but I do think it's been a struggle for him to to keep up the offensive um, output that he has during the regular season. Westbrook, I mentioned before, I am a hater. He's another player I love to hate on. Um, he's played great as of late. Uh, again, just another guy I think in the playoffs it's easy to, to target and go at. Um, on the Jazz end, you do have Rudy Gobert. Man, I, I hate a lot of players in this series. I'm not a fan of Rudy Gobert either. <laughs> but, you know, he's he's seven something going against uh, PJ Tucker, who's six, six and a half on a good day. So I think he'll have a good advantage there. Donovan Mitchell, I think he'll, he'll be able to attack uh, between James Harden and Westbrook. Uh, I just think that team is filled out a little better. You got Bogdanovich on the wing. You've got you got different players that fill out that roster a little bit better. So to me, it'll be a good it'll be a good back and forth series. But in the end, I I just think the size of of Utah um, is going to be tough for Houston to overcome. So I got a uh, Jazz and seven in that one. Right, and I also I'm going to agree with you. I got Jazz and seven against the Rockets. I agreed with your original standpoint where. James Harden won't be able to be as well of a player in a system he's not comfortable with. I think that the Jazz understand that, especially Quinn Snyder, he understands that the Jazz are much more comfortable in their second-second offense, and they're going to slow down the game for them. And without that to their advantage, they're going to be they're, they're not going to be as effective. And with guys like Rudy Gobert. He's not going to be as effective where he's being guarded by P.J. Tucker, more as he'll be effective with Westbrook and Harden driving to the lane. It'll take away that scoring ability for them driving. So they'll be able to play a lot more close man-to-man on the perimeter. It won't be able to give James Harden some of those step-backs where he'll have as much separation as he normally would against teams where they don't have an elite playmaker or not playmaker, more a shot blocker at the rim such as Gobert, and they'll be forced to shoot more. And kind of like last year where the Rockets went 0-27 at one point from three, and 27 missed threes in a row, I don't think something like that will happen again, but I think something like that can be introduced in a series like that. So even though I think the Rockets have more individual talent on their team, I think the Jazz got the better roster in terms of a collection. I think they're going to take it home. So. Yeah, I agree on that. And even though, like, like I said, if... I talked about Houston going small. If there is one center to not be able to take advantage of all that, it is Rudy Gobert. Um, we're going to stop there in terms of uh, seeding and playoffs because I don't want to go too far into it because, like I said, these seedings aren't uh, set in stone yet. We don't know um, who's going to finish where um, or what the, like I said, what the seeding is going to be. So that'll, that'll end the, 
the playoff topic we got going on here. Um, we will take a quick break and give you a message from our sponsor. All right, so one of the last topics we're going to touch on today is the current MVP race. Uh, the current MVP ladder has Giannis at number one, LeBron James at number two, Kawhi Leonard at number three, Luka Doncic at four, James Harden at five. So that's the top five right now. Um, the bottom five is Nicole Jokic, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, and Damian Lillard. But we'll stick with the top five right now. So let me ask you first, who is your MVP? As of all right, right now. So yeah, we got a very good top five. And all right, let me just cut the bullshit. All right, I don't care about five through two. It really doesn't matter. The MVP is Giannis. It's not even close. This guy is leading his team to the best record in the league. He's averaging 30 and 14 on very efficient scoring. He's obviously the reason his team's doing so well, even though he's got a great supporting cast and a great system through Bunholzer around him. I know I don't, especially with me, I don't really like giving MVPs back to back to guys. Well, this is a guy who's very, very deserving of the award. If anyone's close to him, it's LeBron. He's leading the league in assists. He's obviously doing great things for his team. He is the reason why that team is great, along with AD, but more broad than AD. But his clear-cut, most valuable player to their team's success, it's Giannis to me, and it's not even close. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm completely on your side with that one. I think Giannis is the MVP. He was MVP last year, and he's only gotten better. He's averaging 30 points, 14 rebounds, and 6 assists, while He's probably also a top five defensive player of the year candidate. He had the season he had last year and just got better. And what to me, what's the most amazing thing, and I didn't really realize this until just now, he's doing this in 31 minutes a game. Exactly. Budenholzer's not playing where it needs to be played. They already have leads going into that fourth quarter where he doesn't need to be played. He's that's, that's amazing. Being rested for the playoffs. That's amazing. To yeah, me. this guy's. This guy's a generational talent, like I was saying with Luca, but with Giannis, this guy's a pure force. No one can stop this man. And yeah. especially with how the league is nowadays, you touch the guy, it's a foul. You know, who, who's stopping him? You can't stop this man. Yeah, it's gonna be so good to see him in Miami. Um, I do want to touch <laughs> on LeBron. I think he, he's like you mentioned. He, I think he's closer than people think in the MVP race. Um, like I said, I think it's Giannis by a mile, but I think. LeBron is closer. Like you said, leading the league in assists at 11 a game at the age of 35, 17th season, keeping the Lakers at um, the number one seed throughout the season so far. A big thing to me when it comes to MVP is the storyline. And I know people are going to love to forget this, so I'm going to remind y'all that before the season started, a lot of people were writing LeBron off. There were a lot of takes on shows on ESPN and um, Fox Sports and things like that where I remember one specifically, one of these guys, I don't remember who he is, probably why I don't know. Um, he had LeBron ranked sixth best player in the league, said he just can't do it anymore. You know, he can't facilitate like he used to. He definitely hasn't played defense like he used to, and he can't get by defenders like he used to, and he's still averaging 26, 8, and 11 right now while playing better defense than he has. So I do want to give LeBron some credit there. Um but the MVP is Giannis, and it's not close. Absolutely. All right. So for our last segment, and every segment we're gonna, every podcast we do, we're gonna have this segment where we take one poll from Twitter, and it's not one of our polls. It's just a a tweet that we see, um, a post that we see that we think would be a good uh, question to ask the other person. Last week I asked. Um, 
lines about the the coaching thing where it was the the caption was one's got to go and it had Nick Nurse uh Eric Spolstra, Brad Stevens at Budenholzer and you guys heard that Lions actually picked Brad Stevens believe it or not um that uh, he should go I know it sounds weird cuz Boston sports fans love to believe that they're the only good thing ever um so that was good to hear Lions set them straight on that one so Lions, you had a question for me this week, right? Right, I got something pulled up for you, and let me just put this out for you guys. If you guys have any of the scenarios where you got a one got to go between four guys or four coaches or anything, uh, feel free to DM us, putting it up a podcast on Twitter. Uh, give us a follow. Let us know what you guys think. Talk to us about the league. Uh, but if you guys got any of these type of discussions that you want us to talk about, let us know. Tweet us. Talk to us. We got you. But for this week, we got a very interesting one. We got another one got to go. And the players we got here are Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, and Jacqueline. So, Dan, one got to go. What do you got? All right, so it's Chris Middleton, it's Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, and who? Zach Levine? Yeah, Zach Levine. Hmm. One's got to go. I'm going to roll with... Man, this is going to surprise people. I'm going to roll Middleton on this one. The glorified... Whoa, wait, 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 wait. Whoa, whoa, Go on. Hey, let me know. He yeah. is a... To me... Yeah, and again, you guys all know that I love to hate. He is a glorified Kyle Kuzma. Oh, brother. Is that what you got for us? Is that the statement? To me, he's a glorified... God damn, I can't say that damn word. He's a glorified... Kyle Kuzma. So you're telling me a man averaging 22 as the second best player on his team, the best record in the entire NBA, is a glorified Instagram model? Absolutely. 1,000%. All right. So, guys, I'm sorry. I know that drugs are a very bad thing. We want you guys <laughs> to stay off crack. This man obviously had exposure to it. Um, I'm just going to tell you why it's not Chris Milton. Uh, I mean, I love Chris Milton. He's overrated and underrated at the same time, but this guy... What the hell you just say? He said he's overrated and underrated at the same time? What the hell does that even mean? Well, I believe so. I mean, he's an all-star. He's a guy that is in his role, and he's a guy that can shoot the ball very well. I mean, he is not Clay Thompson, but he's Chris Middleton. You know, he's a guy that can get his job done. He's a guy that can Nah, he's, he's Kyle Kuzma. Like, come he's on, bro. He, he's Kyle Kuzma. All right, guys, I want you to roast in the comments. I'm going to save my time. I'm going to save my breath on that. For me, I mean, it came down to Chris Middleton and Drew, to be fair, to Dan. But for me, it's Drew, and it's not close. Drew is – I'm not underrating Drew. I realize what he was in Philly. I realize what he is here in New Orleans. He's a great player. He's a guy that's going to wear the ball. He's a guy that can hold his own on defense in the man-to-man matchup. But he is on the decline. He's not averaging what he used to. He's not defending how he used to. He's not agile as he used to be. He's not defending like how he's he used to. He's still defending way better than Middleton. Damn, you could score on Chris Middleton. I promise you. promise you you could score on Chris Middleton. I promise you that none of us can score on Chris Middleton. That's just how it is. But I, even though I'm he giving, is one of the – I got to tell you, Chris Middleton is top five in the league when it comes to ugly players. I'll give you that. He's definitely up there. But Maybe that's part of it. Like, have you – I mean – You just you just think he's ugly. That's all it is, bro. I get it. The guy's got like three teeth that think like, – like it looks like they belong on his feet. They're just way out of place. It looks like they shouldn't belong there. Here's the thing. There's an Instagram page called League Fits. Have you ever seen Middleton on League Fits? Absolutely not. Man cannot dress. 
I've never seen that man put one good outfit on. At That's least, at least, at least Kuzma can do that. So you know what, Kuzma would be better than I'm Chris not Middleton. Here for the but I'm not here for the outfits. I'm here to see what they can do on the court. When it comes to Middleton, I mean, he's a guy. He can lock up in his role. He's not as good of a defender as Drew, obviously. I mean, he's not as good as defender as Dejounte Murray, but he's obviously better than Dejounte Murray. He's a guy. I mean, 50-40-90 is not an easy task, and it's not like he's taking two shots a game. The guy can fulfill his role out there, but. And just in terms of a Norton here, just to kind of wrap this thing out, uh, I know we got Levine and Jalen uh, in the top two. We got Levine as one. We got Jalen as two. And where it differentiates between us, you guys can let us know in the comments to this in the podcast or on Twitter or on YouTube. Where we will leave the link into that in the next podcast. We'll put those videos out there for you guys to go check out. Uh, let us know who's right, who's wrong. I have Chris Milton at three. I got him at four. And Jad just got... Drew at three and Millicent at four. So you guys can let us know who's right, who's wrong, or maybe we're both wrong. Nah, I'm definitely not wrong. Middleton's got to go. <laughs> Come on, man. Middleton. I don't know. He Okay, he's don't get me wrong. He's good. Yeah, right. He's the second best player and blah, blah, blah. But, dude, I just don't see it. Like, I, I think if I was building a team, I would take all three of those other guys before I would take Middleton. That's that's when when I talk about like players and ranking players and whatever, I always think about. And I know it's probably not the right way to think about it, but it's like, if I was starting a team, who would I take? And it's definitely not Middleton. I would definitely take Levine, like I said, number one, Jalen Brown, number two, probably, and then, um, who was the other one? Drew Holiday. I don't even remember. He's that. He's better than Middleton. Drew Holiday, um, three, just because he plays both ends. I only Middleton guards nobody. That's just me. Now, you say, just to wrap, to wrap this up, how you'd want to take someone in today's NBA. Now, if there's any team, any coach in the NBA nowadays that you play through, any system that you want to play through, what team would that be? Miami. The Bucks. No, Miami. Bucks. Boone Holzer has a system. You have your guy who can drive the lane and kick. You have your absolute centripetal force driving into the lane, and you got your shooters and defenders around you. And Middleton's that complete supporting role. Have you now, ever, have you ever been to Miami? Uh, I I can say I've watched a few Heat games. Yeah, I, no, I've no, watched. No, no, no. Have you ever? Oh, have been I been to the city of Miami? City oh no, of no, Miami. no! I... Go there a couple times. Come down here. We'll go, we'll go to Miami. Then I promise oh, you. Oh, you want me change. to come see you at Miami, dog? Maybe oh. we can get a maybe we can get a actual visual to this. Yeah, come down to Miami, man. I'll, then then you'll know you don't want to play nowhere else but Miami. Trust yeah, me. I got you. Trust. I got you. Trust. Yeah, I got you. I got you. We'll see what's up. All right, guys. That's going to close out this episode of uh, Putting It Up Podcast. This is episode two. Uh, like Lions mentioned throughout the pod, uh, we love to hear feedback. We love to hear uh, your opinion on things. Um, if you disagree with us, let us know why. Let us know why you think uh, you're wrong, and then uh, we'll tell you why you're wrong. And then... Um, <laughs> Nah, seriously, guys, we appreciate the support. We got a lot of plays on our first pod more than we thought we would. So we really appreciate that. Um, just keep showing support. You know, we appreciate it. I, I could say it a million times. We appreciate, you know, the listeners. We appreciate people giving us appreciate people giving us feedback and just showing love to the channel. Not the channel, the, um, the podcast. And, um, yeah, man, let's keep it going.